and welcome to episode 11 of Finding My Voice. Uh, so this is the first one that's going to cover a whole week. Uh, I'm going to... Empty, week's gonna feel empty, <laughs> but I got a lot to do this week, so it, it's a good idea. It's a good idea to do this. I'm gonna try it out one episode a week. So uh, today, this regular structure and transition-related thing, a role-play-related thing, answering a character question, and then this time there is a poem. Yay! So. Um, first of all, I think this is going to be a little long because the character question was another biggie. <laughs> um, yes. So, um, the other day I got a phone call from uh, my doctor, my diabetes doctor. I have type 2 diabetes, don't worry. Um, it's been under control for years and I'm not really suffering anything from it. Um, but I do have to have a checkup every year. Uh, where I get the blood works and they call me up and say, well, this is what it looks like. You, well, you want to watch this, you want to do this and that. It, uh, it hasn't been a problem for many years. But um, I do still have to do the yearly checkup. And as you know, if you've been listening to my podcast, I just recently had my official name change. So this was the first time the doctor called Katerina. And I know about all the things that I am going to encounter having come out. Oh, I've talked about it before, the um, uh, the gender euphoria you can experience from experiencing bad things that women go through. And of course, it's not going to stay great. Uh, I look forward to hating the bad shit. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to try to keep this PG-13. But okay, one, one bad word isn't going to hurt. <laughs> but yeah, um, I look forward to really, really hating the bad stuff. But the first few times, it's like, oh, wow, you treated me like a woman. Great, thank you. Um, th in this case, I don't think it was even, like, intentionally kind. I think he just looked at my name and assumed woman, and he heard my voice, and apparently my voice passes, because it all seems to, and that makes me really happy. I don't think it does, because when I hear my own voice, I'm like, ooh, cringe. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's good. When when I'm doing the voice exercises, it can be good. But yeah, he he was completely like um he he talked to me like he talks to women, and I've never experienced a doctor talking to me like he talks to women before. I don't want to throw him under the bus. He did his job, and. The sexism in his tone, I don't think it was intentional. I think that's part of the um, uh, the social indoctrination in gender norms that we all go through. And I do think younger doctors are a little spared of this because we are growing up now in a little bit more of an enlightened time. But this doctor, he talked to me like I was five. Like, like really infantilizing me. Um like this weird kind of joking attitude, this kind of like head pat attitude, like like when he, he talked about numbers that I need to watch out for, it's kind of like the impression of talking to a five-year-old who's about to drop her ice cream. Like, it was so weird. I've never heard that tone from a doctor before, but I did know. I've observed the world, obviously, because I've always been a woman. I've just been in the closet. So even though I've never been the target of these things, I have observed them happening. Being that I where I identify, that's you know where where my mind tends to look for things. So I knew this was going to happen, but it still strikes me as kind of weird when it does. Um, and I'm getting to the point now where <laughs> where this stuff is actually no longer fun. 
like it was in the beginning because I'm finally being treated as a woman. Even the bad stuff is good. But I, I'm still not at the point where I'm angry. That was the first time it happened. <laughs> this is going to keep happening and I'm going to start getting angry. Um, but this time I was just fascinated. And I'm pretty sure that he didn't realize I was trans. Um, because when he asked at the end of the call if I take any blood pressure medication... Uh, I said, not really, but I take another medication that has uh, blood pressure lowering attributes as a side effect. And he was like, what? What's that? And I just, it's spironolactone. And it's like, why, why do you take that? And like, what, what, it's, it's, it's hormone therapy. And he just, he sounded honestly befuddled. So he just didn't look at my social security number, which, as I said in an early sep earlier episode, um, the state requires my social security number to misgender me, but of course, you might not always look at the... It's a specific number that's even or odd in the Swedish system. So he just saw the name, and as he's talking to a woman, he treated him like a woman, which is good. It's just bad how he treats women. And again, I think this is not intentional, but it's something we need to keep talking about so people can observe it and become better. As I said, I don't want to throw him under the bus. I'm sure he did his job the best he could, but everyone needs to be aware that's, that this is happening so people can stop it. Right, that was the transition thing. It was, um, um, want to keep it quick? Oh, five minutes? That wasn't quick. All right, moving on. Um, there was another thought that struck me. First of all, like, I do want to introduce some other characters I play. Um, and um, there's a thought that struck me. I've been talking about... Um, Alfield quite a bit, and I will again today because she's received another question. Um, but it, the thought of playing a child in a role-playing game is a very interesting experience, and I've done it quite a few times recently. Like, I think the first time was years ago when a friend of mine just did a campaign designed for child characters as a bit of an experiment, I think. And then after that was um, uh, when I played Alfield. Uh, and then I was assigned the character, and again, it was a campaign designed for children. I've also played some Tales from the Loop. Again, the system is designed for child characters. Um, but there's uh, one... Now a couple of times I've actually made a child character in a setting that doesn't require it. Just as, you know, um, I wanted to try it out. Because when playing child characters, I discovered that... I enjoyed it very much. Some people think that, especially for trans people or other people who have been otherwise like um, held from who they are, uh, enjoy playing children because they are experiencing a part of childhood that was denied to them in their actual childhood. childhood. This might be part of it, but uh, there's another thing that I really love about playing a child, and that's the fact that they are, how would you even say it, flexible. Their minds are still forming. They react to things much more than adults do, because we are kind of set in our ways when we grow up, and it takes a lot more to have us change direction in our mind, whereas children do it on a dime. And I find that really interesting to play. Um, and also, another thing is children do not censor their emotions. 
Their emotional expression is clear and alive. And as you know, if you've listened to other episodes, I love expressing emotions. Therefore, playing a child character is wonderful when you do it in the kind of like naturalistic way that I do it. Like, you know, lose yourself in the character and just live through it in an improvised theater, kind of, around the table. Right. Um, so, oh, and another thing is when a child character is involved in a, uh, in a setting that doesn't require it, something interesting happens to the party dynamic. Something well worth exploring. A lot of times people feel like big strong adventurers and they jump into danger without a second thought. Sometimes they add some words of second thought just as flavor. But when there's a child with them, something stops you. Like It's like, wait, should we really run into this cave? We have a kid with us. We need to think about this. And yes, I understand this is not the experience every role player wants. Like you want to be the unbridled hero, but, but to have someone to, to be careful with. Uh, I mean, the game master can create hooks and you, you can lead the campaign so it still makes sense why the kid has to be there. But the fact that the kid is there means you have to think about what you're doing uh, in a bigger way than you normally would. And I think that adds a great spice to any role-playing experience. It adds more uh, presence. You, you have to put yourself in the shoes of your character in a much more profound way. And uh, yes, it's fantastic. And I, I'm usually the one playing the kid character, because not everyone well, likes doing it. <laughs> uh, well, and I don't always do it, obviously. Like, I do I do play different sorts of characters all the time. But yes, I, I play a fair number of kid characters right now, and I really love it, uh, for the reasons I have said. One of these kid characters is um, kind of a, a little bit of a cop-out, actually, because uh, she is young, but she is very mature for her age. She's a cleric. Well, now she is. She was raised as a cleric, but she was a natural sorceress, a divine soul sorceress that was um, found very young um, to have magical abilities, and they seem to have a divine nature, so the the temple took her in and raised her as a cleric, and she has been kind of raised to be a prophet. Now, I decided that this did not inflate her ego. She really does try to be as much of a saint as she can. Her name is Leia, by the way, and at the time of play, she's 13 years old. But she has been raised to in her religion and tries to be kind and good and all that good stuff. Uh, now, the Game Master... I, I gave him permission to do this. Uh, put some really interesting and dark twisty turns in her magical origins and oh boy <laughs> these are some heavy things for a kid um well like not to spoil too much because i do want to uh, if you ask me about this character i'll i'll talk about it a bit more uh but there is some darkness in her she is not the only spirit in that body she might not even be the body's original spirit uh, it was a great group. It's a great. I still play with that group. Uh, we play several games actually. It's one of those things. Um, during the pandemic, when you couldn't find role-playing groups a lot, and and I ended up in one group tr that was trying out the online play, and um, it was all randos, uh, everyone random, and that group eventually fell through. We had fun, 
but the game master couldn't continue for for whatever reason. Uh, but the group thought, you know, I like we, we like playing together, so let's form our own group out of this, and we did, and we started playing every Thursday. Um, one of us uh, started game mastering, and this is when I created Leia. And um, um, we now we got like several campaigns running. You know, the, my character Elanine uh, from Simba Room. Uh, the core of that group is the Thursday Club, as we call it. We no longer play on Thursdays, but we still call ourselves the Thursday Club. Um, because why not? And it's just really wonderful that, you know, even though we live on different sites, different parts of the country, we still meet like twice or thrice a year because, you know, role-playing created a, f a strong friendship bond and it's just so wonderful. And I've, I've, I've steered off track. Anyway, Leah, who is this um, too-good-for-this-world saintly kind of character? Um, she isn't perfect. When I started her, she was a bit of a soft bigot. Not mean, but because she grew up with her religion, the idea of other religions was kind of weird to her because the party had characters that followed different gods. And she was like... Um, uh, every every evening, she would invite everyone to pray with her, and they all like, nah, I got my God, and she was like, what? Why? Why would you not pray, pray to my God? And she was kind of horrified and thought everyone was sinners. Not not she wasn't condemning them. She was more praying to her God to forgive them, and she was horrified because she's sweet like that. And um, eventually, she grew past that, and she's grown up a lot. So, um. She's now facing the ethical conundrum of of not knowing who the original owner of her body was. It's hard to explain. Um, I would like, if anyone's interested in Leah, I would like you to ask her a direct question and in an episode I will answer it in character because I think that's the most interesting way to to introduce her. I think maybe next episode I will actually have one of those introdu introductory se uh, sections with her and uh, perhaps answer a question if anyone's post one. Posted one. Right. Okay. So, um, now to the question. Uh, someone had a follow-up question to... Well, someone. Uh, he didn't He did introduce himself. Tuxan Sortak in my comments says... I am so sorry to hear about Alvhild's problems. My question will be, how do you, Alvhild, gonna manage to overcome your obstacles in the future? Now, this is an interesting question uh, because when I answered the question in the previous episode, I did it like a couple of seconds. I placed the timeline, I placed it on the timeline a couple of sessions ago because a lot of stuff had happened. Now, this question might actually be good to answer a little later in the timeline. All right, let's see. I don't really know how we're gonna be able to face any of this. How does anyone, much less people like us, or I used to think, I used to think running was all we could do, because it's all we've done. But looking back, sometimes we fought back. I mean, we really only fought back to buy time 
to escape or or protect each other, of course, which is something you have to do. Um, but recently something happened, something very, very scary and frightening. But I don't know why fear became something else. It's it's a long story. It was um, we had been separated. Uh, Eli fell behind when me and Venya were were transported in some frightening fey manner, and we ended up on, on on a shore we didn't recognize. And and Eskid, I not I shouldn't really talk about um, where she is because it's dangerous. No one should really. Um, never mind. Uh, so it was just me and Venya on this shore, and I had this dream. I thought it was a dream. I was in a strange subterranean land. There was this scary dog who was chasing people, and um, I was rescued by this uh, kind knight. He, he wore clothes that were very torn and looked old, and he looked very tired. But um, he took me to a friend of his, and I recognized him, and he recognized me. And it was Sir Guillaume, the kind knight that, that saved our lives uh, a couple of weeks ago, before he died himself. And... And he was shocked to see me. And he spoke to his friend. Oh, and the friend somehow knew I was half-folk, but he wasn't bothered by it. But they said they needed me to leave. And they took me to the queen, who looked very, very frightening. She, it was like one side of her face was dead, but the other one was not. And um, she questioned me as to why I should be allowed to return home. And, and she was very hard to talk to, very demanding and dismissive. But the kind knight, the friend of, the friend of Guillaume down here said it was very important that I, that I leave. And he said that he would stay in my place indefinitely and the the queen looked very surprised but accepted and then she gave me a quest she was angry at someone named Colgir because he had stolen a horn and she said she would let me go if I send the horn and him back to her and then I woke up in Venya's arms and didn't think more about it but later um, we come to a village that's that's been attacked and and we are captured by some men they turn out to be wolf's men and we meet him again um, they hurt Venya, they pushed her into the ground, and she's bleeding, and we t they tied her up so I couldn't help her, and they drag us along, and, um, 
they didn't kill us outright, but... Well... Uh, sorry, I have to get past this to get to the story, sorry. We come to this hole in the ground leading to some caverns, some, I don't know, a dungeon or something. And he, he held me over the hole, forcing Venya to climb down willingly, or he dropped me, and he did, and... Well, I had to follow her, and then, then they removed the ladder so we couldn't climb back out. And it turns out that that this is the lair of Colgear. There were some of Wolf's men down there as well, because he was in a hurry to leave. But he left some of his own men down there, and and when I heard the name Colgear. From the dream, I started realizing that maybe it wasn't a dream. Maybe, maybe I had actually died in the night, and I was actually in the land of the dead. And Venya wouldn't hear it, of course. She said, "No, no, of course you're not dead." And I, <laughs> but, um, I know I was. <laughs> well, okay, sorry, um. Yes, and one man down there who was betrayed by Wolf because, well, yeah, Wolf left him behind. He told us that Wolf wanted an artifact. And yes, it was a horn. And he was very afraid of of Colgear, and that's why he wanted to leave fast, and that's why he just left us here and some of his men um, and left us in there with Colgear who had apparently escaped the Queen of the Dead. And now that I told the dream to Venya again, she asked me to describe the kind knight who had been with Sir Guillaume, and she paled and told me that, Alfhild, that's, that's the late king, the king who recently died. I described the crest, and yes, I, I had no idea that that was the crest, and then... Then Venya was convinced as well that, yes, I had been there. It was real. And the king, the actual king, sold his soul to bring me back. And I don't understand why. I just know I don't want to go back there ever. Um, but... We saw these carvings in the wall that seemed to be prophecies, and they had us in them. And we were older, so Benya seems to think that means we are going to survive this and 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 at least grow a little older. Uh, and there's a prophecy about us. I guess we must be important. I never thought I'd be important. Oh, and and. As we were attacked, oh sorry, um, this isn't my, making much sense, yes. Wolf left us down there to die because it was full of Colgir's men and they're all dead but not dead. And they're really, really, really horrifying. Eli caught up with us and helped us out. She, she has her ways uh, with fire. And that was very helpful. Uh, we eventually made it down to an underwater lake that led out to the ocean 
and this is what a call gear face does and he said he smelled her on me the queen of the dead and he went for me and I'm and even wolf's men no man there was just one left um actually threw himself with a shield to delay Kolgir from getting to me. Venya helped me, pulled me away, and, and Eli managed to use fire to to weaken him and eventually we actually defeated Kolgir and and all his all his dead followers went down with him and well wolf's man i won't say his name because he asked us not to he was very hurt but we brought him on a boat we found and we left the cavern and we were free while we were cold i i didn't want to sleep because i usually have nightmares and now i know how easy it is to just fall asleep and not wake up and be dead and I don't want to go back to her <laughs> and, uh, but Venja helped me and said <laughs> said she saw me in the carving and I was older and I had a sword she said I was gonna be a hero and she knows I won't die because someone saw the future and in the future I did not die a child <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about any of these things, but I know Venya is the smartest person I know, and I guess that calmed me down. I slept like a rock. And when we woke up, Wolf's man, man had awoken as well. And they seemed to be talking about planning leaving uh, in the opposite direction of our home, of Westmark. And it does sound like the smart thing to do, to be honest, but we can't. We can't because Wolf is after the crown and if he's king, I, I can't even dream of imagining what that would be like, a land with he, with him as a king. And and also, we have to find out if Tuva's okay, and and he has, uh, and he has Odess captive. I, we can't just let that go. We, <laughs> and he thought we were crazy. Um. And Venya said something about well, he just had us and didn't kill us, and and then the soldier said, well, he wanted to kill you. <laughs> But he was deathly afraid of Colgear, so he just left us there so Colgear could kill us. He just wanted to get away from there as quick as possible. Um, and then he said that we were crazy to go after Wolf. Like, he said, whatever could you even dream 
about doing against a monster like him. And I just felt like something I had to say. A strength. I think maybe it's courage. I told him, you fear Wolf, and you should. But Wolf feared Kolkir. And what happened to Kolkir? I saw Venja smile. And she nodded at me and said, we happened. So I don't know how we're going to get past these obstacles, how we're going to defeat Wolf. But for a moment there, I felt like maybe there's a possibility. I'm not sure of it. She saw, she thinks it's a prophecy and I'm still afraid. But, but Wolf was definitely afraid of Kolgir, and we defeated Kolgir. A castle strong, a cottage frail, no home we've had survived the war. In fear and sorrow we set sail and find ourselves on fated shore. But what more hardships can I face? Unwanted by the Queen of Death, I woke in sister's warm embrace, renewed in spite of final breath. When edge of anguish doth arrive, what embers on the river's bed? What doubt and anguish can survive when every tear I had has been shed? The wolf that hunts and torments thus. Now it's your turn to run from us. Okay, so that was... Uh, wow, okay. <clears throat> Alright, so that was the one and rare moment of Alifield being a bit badass. <laughs> I really, I liked, thank you, Taxi, for um, uh, for asking that question. I really love that story. It's not as emotionally gripping as the last one, uh, but yeah, Alfield being badass is, uh, it's something special. <laughs> okay, wow. Um, so yeah, um, this is the week, the episode of the week. It's going to be a week before there's another one. Um, and I would love another question to a character, either another one to Alfield. I have a few ones lined up, uh, or if you want to ask about the new character introduced, Leia, uh, that's fine too, because she's about Alfield's age, but she's a very different type of person from Alfield. You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna experience something different with her, if you're curious, and if you have any thoughts about either the sexism I talked in the beginning, or um, or the idea of playing a child character. Have you ever played a child character? And what was your experience? Are you curious? Do you have questions? Um, I'd love to answer them. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye.